Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hey, guys. And I really should stop saying as always, because if you go back through the episodes, you're not really on every single episode, um, but more times than not, you've been on the episode episodes at this point, so I think I have I every mean, right to say I mean, feel free to call me like a very, very special guest star or, you know, something very like high and mighty, that's fine. I mean- high and mighty, prop you up a little bit. <laughs> Queen Linda. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, duly noted. I will go ahead and make sure that we have something in store for next week then. Awesome. Um, and not just Spooky Linda, as your name <laughs> says on, on the podcast uh, hosting. Um, yeah, no. Every time we go to record, I invite Linda to record with me um, under Zencaster. And this time I was trying to think of a, an alliteration, between, you know, something that I could do you know, with an L in front of Linda that was like horror related or spooky related. And I couldn't come up with it. And uh, I was rushed because I had like a minute left to invite her before it was time to record. And so I was like, whatever, spooky Linda. Jared, did you did you put my name down as spooky Linda? No, I think Zencaster did it. <laughs> Listen, Zencaster just knows. They just oh, know Linda. Whatever, uh, I'm a fan. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's really the gist of the show today. That's all we got for you. A minute and forty three seconds. Right. I think I think that's enough content, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, we can just talk about me during the podcast. That's that's fine. Yeah, I, I think we do that instead, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Which honestly, we should get better about like diving into stuff at the beginning of the show kind of like um we do but there is no time for that typically because i've got to tell you about buzzsprout um i've always got to tell you about buzzsprout because it's a really cool uh hosting platform for all of your podcast needs if you do sign up for a plan they have a free plan even on there but even under the paid plans you get the ability to be listed on all of the other podcast directories like Apple and Spotify and Google Play within just minutes of publishing your first episode. So it's a pretty good gig that way. And in addition to that, um, we do have a link um, in our bio, in our summary. And then like if you're listening to this in the embedded player on our website, there is that affiliate link too that you can click. And if you were to click that and sign up for a paid plan, it lets them know that we sent you and gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. So if you're thinking about podcasting and it's something that you want to do, Buzzsprout is easily the most um, fun way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. And um, yeah, there's already over 100,000 podcasters using Buzzsprout to get their message out. Uh, And we use Buzzsprout, of course, because there is no other easier hosting platform. Um, And it just works. Uh, That's all I can really say about Buzzsprout because it just works. So what are you waiting for? Grab some gear that you already have because I, I bet you that you have a microphone somewhere, even if it's in a pair of headphones. You, you take those headphones, you grab your computer, you go to a quiet place, and you record and talk about all of your favorite things. So follow the link in the show notes, like I said. That'll let Buzzsprout know that they sent you, get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and help support our show. And honestly, we can't wait to hear your passion. Even if you sign up for just a free plan, 
it doesn't really do anything for us, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, at least you're doing something that you love and podcasting is just so fun. So I highly recommend it. And uh, with all that being said about Buzzsprout, I think it is time, Linda, for us to dive into the news, unless you have something else that you want to add in your intro. You just started working, yeah? Yeah, I just started working. New job. And so did you. Yeah, we both did. Um, Hence why uh, this podcast is now coming out on Monday at 11 a.m. Central Time. So that's going to be obviously 12 p.m. Eastern Time and then 9 a.m. on the West Coast um, for all you folks listening out there. But um, yeah, we decided to make the move to Monday, which is really exciting. Um, It not only gives us more time on the weekends uh, to do our thing, but it also is going to be better for you because now you can listen to us during your morning or afternoon commute. And uh, I feel like, you know, if you're in that dense LA traffic and it takes you an hour to, you know, even drive 0.5 miles, uh, you now have time to listen to our podcast in, in full. So I think that's pretty exciting. And another good thing about Mondays is it truly is the start of the week. So you do get last week's news. So that's a little bit more true to its (laughs) term now, last week's news, Um, because it's we're going to cover all things. And also this gives us gives us an opportunity to basically make sure that we do coverage of everything Mm -hmm. um, that happened the previous week, because beforehand, you know, something would happen you know, Friday night to Saturday morning, and I wouldn't be able to like add it to the show notes effectively. So now that that's an opportunity, I highly recommend that you subscribe um, on whatever podcast provider that you use. You can subscribe to the Into the Borough podcast, and then uh, you can share the podcast too. So I highly recommend you doing that. But with all that being said, let's get into the news. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships, Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do here on the Borough Reviews. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube, Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions, and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. The latest news from last week. Aaron Couch of The Hollywood Reporter writes, The Batman pauses filming after crew member tests positive for COVID-19. The Batman has pressed pause on its London production. A spokesperson for Warner Brothers said, quote, A member of the Batman production has tested positive for COVID-19 and is isolating in accordance with the established protocols. Filming is temporarily paused. We can confirm that the member of the Batman who has tested positive for COVID-19 is indeed the Batman himself, Robert Pattinson. Lisette Boyko of Forbes writes, John Boyega calls out Disney for downplaying actors of color in Star Wars. 
A British GQ interview with Black Star Wars actor John Boyega blew up as he called out Disney, the owner of the storied space opera, for treating him and other actors of color differently than the franchise's white starlets, and his comments resonated with the social media users who applauded Boyega for speaking truth to power. John Boyega said, quote, Everybody knows that the nuanced character development went to Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver. Boyega was on the receiving end of a tidal wave of protest following his 2014 casting in The Force Awakens. A racist boycott took hold on Twitter using the hashtag BoycottStarWars, with protesters claiming the film promoted anti-white genocide. The GQ interview also delved into Boyega's impassioned speech at a London Black Lives Matter protest in June. Video of his words, quote, I need you to understand how painful it is to be reminded every day that your race means nothing. That video went viral, but Boyega said nothing about his dress was planned. I feel like, especially as celebrities, we have to talk through this filter of professionalism and emotional intelligence, he told GQ. Sometimes you just need to be mad. Peter White of Deadline writes, HBO Max preps the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air unscripted reunion special. The cast of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is the latest to reunite for a reunion special at HBO Max. Will Smith and gang are set to reunite for the unscripted special to celebrate 30 years since the sitcom first aired. The special, which will be produced by Westbrook Media, will launch on HBO Max around Thanksgiving. The streamer has exclusive streaming rights to the full series, which spans 148 episodes across six seasons, and has been airing it since the site's launch in May. And finally, Vinnie Mancuso of Collider writes, Bill Skarsgård drops out of Robert Eggers' Viking epic, The Northman. While speaking to Bill Skarsgård about Netflix's The Devil All the Time, Collider confirmed that the actor had to drop out of Eggers' film due to scheduling conflicts brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's exactly what Skarsgård said. It's been a scheduling nightmare during COVID. It is what it is. It's a big shame. Eggers is one of the greatest filmmakers out there, and working with my brother, I don't want to talk about it. It's going to make me burst into tears. Eggers had lined himself up with a heck of a cast for The Northman. In addition to Alexander Skarsgård, Oscar winner Nicole Kidman is set to star along with The Lighthouse star Willem Dafoe and Anya Taylor-Joy, who shot to stardom in 2015 thanks to Eggers' feature directing debut, The Witch. As opposed to his first two Mostel-contained features, Eggers has said the North Mint is so expansive in scope that he had to change his usual hyper-focused attention to detail. And that concludes your last week's news update. Did you know that we have our own YouTube channel? There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies, and even some Let's Plays. Lately, we have been focused heavily on our curated horror content. But we have a goal to get to 100 subscribers by the end of the year, and it would mean everything to the team to reach our goal. Simply search The Borough Reviews on YouTube and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell if you enjoy the content. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, so let's get into some healthy news discussion. Um, And... Let's do it as quick as possible before my voice completely gives out. <laughs> um, I can hear it cracking already. Oh, no. Um, so the Batman pausing filming after Robert Pattinson test positive for COVID-19. Um, the Batman had just 
you know, resumed its production in London before it was ultimately shut down again. Uh, A spokesperson said in a statement this past Thursday, so that would have been the 3rd of September, that, quote, a member of the Batman production has tested positive for COVID-19 and is isolating in accordance with established protocols. Filming is temporarily paused. And I imagine that you know, they're going to be shut down for quite some time because who who knows who else Robert Pattinson gave, you know, COVID-19 to. He's obviously one of the main stars. So that would suggest that he was around a lot of people, talking to a lot of people at all points in time. Mm-hmm. So it's highly likely that that is going to spread like wildfire around that set. Um, they did shut down in March. And then they, like I said, they just started production. Um but it's still going to be due out on October 1st of 2021. So we have a little over a year before it actually comes out. And I do hope that that gives them enough time to, um, you know, get everything shot. <clears throat> because uh, from our understanding, this movie has only filmed 30% of its total script. Um, and that trailer was like we talked about it last time. It was a really solid trailer, especially for only having shot that little of footage. And so um, I hope that they're just able to get everything back on track here in the next couple of months and, and still get that out that release date. But honestly, I don't know if it's possible at this point to still stick to that release date. What do you think? I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're shutting down and that they're taking protocols to to get this under control. I I just feel so so bad because London was one of the countries that actually had COVID like under control really really well, and just the fact that uh, this crew filming in London brought it right back like that's mm-hmm. that's not good at all. No. <clears throat> and um yeah and that's what's going to happen when you know everyone starts to go back to normal this thing we all thought it was going to just kind of fade away in a few months yeah. and here we are in September you know um and it's been since the beginning of the year and you know we knew about it and then in February it kind of became like a like a reality um that this thing was going to hit us really really hard and it did have quite a punch. And that's kind of the side effect of now when we're not taking precautions on big studio productions or even, um, you know, just in terms of like the industry getting back to work, like the casting. It, it's much more than just filming a movie, right? right. Um, I mean, you, you're, you're talking about scouting locations, going out and and you know, talking with businesses and like trying to find locations to shoot at. And there's a lot of contact that goes into making these things. <clears throat> and so it's not just the cast and crew. It, like you said, it is, it is, it is London in general that now is going to be dealing with this. And as more and more people get tested, you know, on that, on that um, film, uh, I, I have a feeling that you know, we're only going to see the cases at least go up a little bit. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it might take a couple of weeks, might take a few weeks even, but I do have a feeling that it will start an uptick. Um, and that goes for all of the movies that have resumed production all across the world. You know, the movie shooting in Canada, for instance. Um, I'm not sure. There have been a couple of productions resumed here in the United States, which is dumb. But um, I I just feel like this is what 
happens when you try and keep everything going. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do think that we should still be only allowing essential businesses to operate at full capacity. And, you know, um, I, I do believe that that's going to be the only way that we can really do anything to stop this. Yeah, because I mean, with with this article, it only further proves that this can really happen to anyone like no one's immune to getting it and i'm just hoping with him being in london in a country where they had it under control and they were like actively helping people that he can actually get their treatment and that they can keep it under control still despite the fact that they're getting another case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's all a matter of um i guess uh preparation right yeah because you need to make sure that you have the proper protocols that you have the proper equipment and that you have the the proper amount of space to be able to safely um resume your your normal life and if you don't have those things in order um and you need all of them too it can't just be one or the other right yeah you need all of those things in order to be able to safely resume your normal your normal life and i know that it's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, but it's the reality and there's nothing that we can do about it. You know, we didn't, we're not going to talk about it, but the rock and his family just tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and honestly that makes sense too, because the rocks everywhere talking to everyone at, at all points in time. I mean, he's one of the most, um, enthusiastic businessmen out in the, in, in the industry right now. And I, you know, so it doesn't surprise me when these things happen, but it's just like, we, we have to still treat it as, uh, as a threat and we, we have to like act accordingly on these things. So I hope this sends a message to all of the other, um, to all of the other folks that are resuming their normal lives, you know, especially like if we're talking about filming movies and stuff, um, you know, I hope this just sends a message to all of them that maybe we should we should just hold off until next year entirely, um, until we know that there's a vaccine and we know that the vaccine is 100 um, percent efficient. And uh, yeah, and until then, like we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to deal with the sad the sad truth that um, life isn't normal anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Robert Pattinson. Hopefully, uh, he comes out of it okay. <laughs> um, he was he was great in Tenet. Um, I don't know if you've had the chance to see Tenet yet. Not yet. No. Uh, definitely a highlight in that movie, and um, yeah, and he looked good in the Batman. And of <laughs> course, everything that he's been in recently has been really really good, uh, oh, yeah. including the Lighthouse from Robert Eggers. Uh, He's just one of the most like talented like actors I think working today um, that not many people suspected I guess to be that person. But which is um, funny because coming out of Twilight, I mean, all the actors in Twilight was good. It just came down to like writing and stuff. So I mean, um, yeah, they were was shocked, but at the same time, you you shouldn't have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah, I guess like I guess that just goes to show like you can be a really good actor and just pick really bad movies. And like, I don't even blame them for picking twilight, you know, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, because like they were going to make money like that. That's what it was. And it was a career move, right? Like it was being in something big. That's going to make a lot of money at the box office. It's going to like basically jumpstart your career because you'll become a household name, even if the movies are bad, you know? Right. I think that move on their part, they both regret it. They both talk about it. You know, (laughs) 
talked about it uh, of regretting filming that movie. But at the same time, I don't know if they hadn't filmed that movie, if they would be where they are today. So, um, you know, I guess take the hit when necessary, because hopefully later down the road, you get what you want. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about um, John Boyega's uh, recent comments in a British GQ interview that he did last week. I think he did it on the 2nd of September. Yeah, so last Wednesday, he sat down with uh, British GQ to talk about some of the problems regarding the new Star Wars lineup and Disney itself. Um, and John Boyega, I just want to preface this with saying he is one of the bravest people that I think I've ever like witnessed, especially like in, in Hollywood. Um, and he's not even necessarily in Hollywood. He, you know, he's in, he's in London. Um, but anyway, being within that industry, he speaks out about so much injustice all the time. Mm-hmm. And like he doesn't really care if his if he's tarnishing a brand, you know, or um I mean he he waited to speak out about this stuff mostly until after he was, you know, done with his contract. However, it still takes immense bravery to come out and speak out against Disney. And I want to read you some of his comments about what he's talking about, because I think it's really important to discuss the facts here. So he said in this British GQ interview, quote, do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say that straight up. Um, And then he went on, quote, you guys know what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. Um, But when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, and when it came to John Boyega, you know fuck all. So what he's really talking about there, I think, is the pivot. Um, You know, J.J. Abrams, The Force Awakens, really started out with emphasizing Finn, um, who was played by John Boyega. And, you know, uh, there was this whole thing on the internet. I'm sure you witnessed some of it. But everyone was like freaking out because there's a black stormtrooper. It's like, you know, it's like such a big deal um, at the time that, you know, he was even boycotted at at some points, like on Twitter, like people were talking about boycotting, you know, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And then um, due to that response, you see in the next film in The Last Jedi, directed by uh, Ryan Johnson, that they kind of pump the brakes on, like, his character development. They even bring in this, like, love interest side character um, played by Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, Her character's name was Rose. And with that, like, they really, like, gave them the weakest bit of story in The Last Jedi. Um, It's really, if you go even talk to people who really, really like The Last Jedi, including myself, the Canto Bite stuff with with rose and finn was not great and they it wasn't well written and it didn't work for that movie and in you know i guess in response to that people just put it all on kelly marie tran and and john boyega um you know saying it was basically their fault that that movie wasn't wasn't good and and then as a result of that you know we finally get to the last in the trilogy we finally get to you know, Star Wars, um, um, Rise of Sky. I forgot the name of it. That's how I hate that movie. But anyway, that's how like, that's how bad that movie is. But Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, right? You get to that movie and 
A, Rose is basically not involved in the story at all. I don't even know if she has more than five lines of dialogue. She might, but I'm not really certain about that. And Finn is really, really pushed to the back. Like he's given nothing to do. So his arc that they were trying to set up of him coming from a stormtrooper all the way to the resistance, you know, to be one of the good guys, it didn't feel, it didn't feel natural and it didn't feel earned. Um, and also, it didn't feel genuine. You could tell that there was a tug and pull, you know, back behind the scenes of should we give this character more time um, or are people not ready for it? You know, kind of this internal struggle to figure out what to do with that character. So um, he did go on to say that everyone knows that um, basically the only two nuanced characters were, uh, you know, Ridley and Driver. Um, so Ray and then also Kylo Red adding, um, and then he, he added, uh, quote, I'm not exposing anything by talking about this. Um, and so <laughs> John Boyega really went off there and I just want to know your thoughts, Linda, because like, um, I don't know, I don't even know if you're a big Star Wars fan. I, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think you are a big Star Wars fan. So actually Star Wars is actually kind of a pivotal point in my childhood. Like my parents were pretty big on the whole like curfew aspect on school nights, but mm -hmm. there was always one exception and that was to watch Star Wars. Even if it was close to my finals time, they're like, all right, study, take a nap. Then we're going to go see Star Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm not as big of a fan of it as my dad and brother are, but I mean, it is like a staple of my childhood because that's just mm -hmm. that was like my best memories from school was being able to like go out late at night and watch these movies with my family and like it was amazing and so from this article okay <laughs> i i am i understand that when you're getting these groups as big as star wars it is hard to shed light on every single character to a fault though to a fault because they should have done a better job prioritizing who does get the spotlight and who doesn't especially when star wars like star wars already has like not a very diverse casting like they do have diverse characters and characters of different ethnicities but they're all in the background like the only character besides poe and finn that i can think of that was a character of different ethnicity is mace windu from yeah. the second and, and what, yeah from the and second what did they do with mace windu? yeah they killed him <laughs> And even then, he didn't really have a whole lot of screen time. He's just famous for having a uniquely colored lightsaber. Like, getting a character as big and as popular and as important as Finn, you should have taken advantage of that character, of that opportunity, and really bringing him up there. Like, I think instead of Rey and Kylo Ren, it should have been Rey and Finn. Because Finn was one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. He's such a great character and he's played by such a great actor. And so it just, it's very confusing. It shouldn't have been a second thought. Like his character should not have been a, a side thought to, to Disney or to the Star Wars trilogy. 
because he is such a great person and he really should have been up there in the spotlight with the rest of them. So I completely understand uh, John Boyega's frustration and anger that they made his character out to be a better, like a bigger character and then like completely pushed him to the side. Like Mm -hmm. that was kind of a dick move and kind of like a total cash grab thing. And I completely blame Disney for that. It seems like something Disney would do. I completely believe that it was what, like what Disney did. And it just, like you said before, John Boyega is, he is an amazing human being. He always speaks out um, during the Black Lives Matter protests. He uses his platform to speak out the truth and to like bring awareness out there. So having someone like John Boyega <laughs> playing this character, that should have just been an easy, like, he should have been the person. And not not any, like, not saying that Ray wasn't a good character. She was a great character. It's just, there was a lot of importance with Finn. And I was disappointed that he wasn't as big after the first, you know, the first movie in this new trilogy. I was I was super disappointed in that, too. Well, yeah, and, and it is disappointing, right? And, like, the issue... The issue also is, I I was going to say the issue isn't that they didn't give him enough time, but it is essentially that issue. Um, But but my point was like the fact that you start out and you're trying to create this strong black character as a lead is really brave, you know, Mm -hmm. in that first you know, the Force Awakens reveal when, you know, he, Finn takes off his helmet and, um, you know, he reveals himself and everyone was so taken aback because there's, you know, there's a black stormtrooper and and you really emphasize that in The Force Awakens. But because of everyone's reaction to that, you backpedal. You backpedal to the point where you basically don't even give that character a fully realized arc. And that's not what you set up. You set that up. No one else set that up, you know. Star Wars and Disney set that up. And so for them to, you know, back out of that, it is cowardly to say the least. And yes, you, I'm glad that you brought up the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening in June. Um, at one of those protests, he said, quote, I need you to understand how painful it is to be reminded every day that your race means nothing. And this essentially goes hand in hand with what's happening now, um, you know, within Disney and what did happen to him and to a few other people uh, on the set of those Star Wars films. Um, Because all it took was, was for them to just, to just be bold and to just follow through. But the issue is, is Disney is so reactionary to every single thing that happens that, you know, they have to fire James Gunn when stuff resurfaces, you know, about him years ago that they already knew about it because they had already talked about it previously. So, you know, they fire him and then they rehire him back because they realized they made a rash decision and fucked up. And <laughs> the same thing here, they, you know, they tried to be bold and then they backpedaled and it backfired in their face because now everyone's like, yeah, John Boyega's right. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> And to have Rose um, be such a prevalent character in The Last Jedi, regardless of if you liked her story or not, but to to feature Rose as heavily as they did in The Last Jedi, and then 
only give her like less than a page of dialogue in you know the rise of skywalker what's going on with that why are you doing that and it basically just comes down to their reactionary tendencies but um yeah john boyega he is a leader and he's gonna continue to speak out about these things um he seemed delighted in the response to the interview uh, after people were able to actually read it. He said, in short, I said what I said. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's kind of his attitude towards a lot of things. Like if you've watched John Boyega talk about important issues and topical issues, he doesn't really have a filter when it comes to things like this, um, specifically with the Black Lives Matter stuff and um you know, and with the Star Wars stuff now, he just doesn't have a filter about it uh, because it needs to be said and he realizes that it needs to be said. He tweeted out on September 2nd, these conversations and me sharing isn't about a witch hunt. It's about clarity to be angry that can be seen as selfish, disruptive, and self-indulgent, obviously in hopes of better change. And uh, I, I think that's what this all is about, right? We've We've got to make sure that people understand when they mess up and we've also got to call them out right when they do it. Um, unfortunately, he was in a unique position that he couldn't necessarily speak out right away because he's contracted to do these three movies in this trilogy. And, you know, you don't want to disrupt that. You don't want them coming down on you legally. But now that he has the ability and the freedom to, like, truly express his thoughts and feelings on the matter, um, it's just – it's brave. Yeah, and I mean – I'm glad that he's as blunt as he is. I, I follow him on Twitter and I just love reading what he tweets because it's it's absolutely amazing. But it, it is a really smart move for someone in his position to just be as blunt as possible because I don't I don't know how, but we live in a world where celebrities have this platform to speak their voice. And yet so many of us are like, oh, they're celebrities. They're supposed to be entertaining us. They're not supposed to be talking about politics, which just lights huge question marks because they're celebrities. They're not they're not monkeys here to just entertain us and shut their mouths. They're human beings. They are allowed to have opinions. And so celebrities afraid of like losing money, afraid of getting fired. They always tiptoe around issues that they desperately want to talk about, but we always shut them down. So I think it's really important. And I'm glad that John Boyega is like a great example and a great leader of that. I, mm -hmm. I think it's so important for them to just be blunt and to just speak out about it because then you reduce the risk of, you know, getting like words, jumbled around and having people like try to call you out for something you didn't even really say. Mm -hmm. And it's also just a great example to give other celebrities the courage to actually stand up and talk about these issues that they're having. Because quite frankly, if you don't want to listen to what they say, then don't. At the end of the day, they're people and they're allowed to voice their opinions just as much as the rest of us. And I'm glad that these celebrities are actually using the platform that they have to to exercise that right so i think that's amazing that that that's what he's doing and not just you know saying what people want him to say mm -hmm. yeah you bring up all great points there um and the last thing i want to say about this that's really important i think i wish more people would do this um because what he did was smart right he he took you know the star wars gig he signed the contract he did the films and then he is publicly speaking out about it Everyone going forward 
knows that he will not shut his mouth about anything. So anyone that he works with in the future, anyone that wants to work with him in the future, it just gives him a chance to be set up for better success going forward exactly. because they know that that they're not going to that he's not going to put up with their bullshit at any point. So I really appreciate that um and I hope that in the future, you know, he is given um adequate opportunity to really like show what he can do as an actor because if you've watched his back catalog anything other than Star Wars, you would realize that he's a really solid actor and I I can't wait to like see him in more things going forward. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I I loved him in Attack the Block. Attack the Block is like one of my favorite movies ever. And yeah. when I watched the trailer, like before I ever saw it, when I watched the trailer, I did not think that he was going to be as big of a character as he was, and I was so pleasantly surprised. Like, oh my I I love that movie. I really want to mention it since we were talking about John Boyega. Watch Attack mm-hmm. the Block if you have it cuz it's an amazing alien movie. Yeah, and they're thinking about doing a second one too. Like he's all on board for a second Attack the Block, um, which I would love to see because it's just a great little flick that not many people know about. And like, also, even if you look at like Pacific Rim Uprising, like he was, he was very good in Pacific Rim Uprising, and I didn't even like that movie like too much. So yeah, I mean, I follow his work regardless of you've seen if you've seen Star Wars or not. I think. Either way, you're going to be delighted to some really good films and really great acting. So um, now let's move on to talking about something that I was so excited to talk about, Linda. (laughs) I've been dying to talk about this with you. And that is um, random acts of violence because we can't get enough of this. And I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I just want to cover it a little bit because I think it's very interesting how the filmmakers interpreted their movie. So if you remember, we reviewed um, Random Acts of Violence right here on the podcast. Uh, Me and Linda both didn't have favorable opinions of that film as it was very dull. It was kind of meaningless in the end. And it ultimately led for a very weird viewing experience where I was conflicted. Um, I debated even turning it off at one point. Um, So did I. Yeah, it, it just it didn't work almost on any level. Um, And so I thought it would be interesting because I saw something circulating on Twitter um, over the past week. And what was circulating on Twitter was the press blurb that the filmmakers put out when they went to send their film out um, in, in screener form. So when they went to companies and they were like, here, we have this screener for you to review um, their press blurb that they sent out with the screener read like this quote, the sad truth is that horror has turned stagnant, a warehouse for outdated ideas, and misogyny apologists. A lot of these ills have been here for a while. Some are new trends either way. The vast majority of horror flicks feature characters nobody cares about in cynically engineered circumstances that fetishize cruelty. This is incorrect morally as well as an antithetical to the very essence of what horror film of what a horror film is meant to feel like. Above all, a horror film should be scary. It sounds simple enough, and yet when one watches the majority of contemporary horror flicks, so few of them are actually scary. They may be shocking and inspire momentary car crash awe, but the fact is, if an audience member laughs or shares a story of holy shit moment with the person next to them, they may be excited, but they are not scared. Random acts of violence seeks to cure this. 
Let me ask you, Linda. Did it cure any of those things that it talked about? Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) The sheer irony of this quote. Just, it mentions misogyny apologists. He killed off all the female characters and left a solo male survivor. Oh yeah, because, you know, we should really care about the one guy because, you know, he watched his mom get killed and then his girlfriend gets killed and it's this whole thing about like, yes, we'll give, we'll give, you know, credit and weight to our female characters and they're like the first to go. Um, and it's like, okay, dude. Uh, and beyond that, like your characters aren't even interesting. So at the very surface level, your characters aren't interesting, but then you add that, you know, quote on top of it where they're talking about misogynistic practices in in horror and i'm like you do realize that there is a whole final girl trope that's basically exactly do you know how most like how most women got so much like name recognition and like and like stardom because they started in horror like and that's not exclusive to women i just want to make that clear but you look at the likes of like jamie lee curtis or like nev campbell these really successful females got their footing in horror because it was one of the few genres that allowed them to actually have an arc and allowed them to have adequate like time to like act and like actually flesh out a character so i I get the, the the comment about like male on women violence and that's that's a real thing and that's a that's a real like issue that horror does canvas sometimes but the fact that you just generalize every single horror film in your press statement is not a good look and beyond that um was random acts of violence scary because they also talk about in here the fact that nothing is scary anymore and i'm like i don't know have you have you have you watched the invisible man have you watched hereditary have you watched like any of the recent horror movies like the witch like what like what are you watching in your free time that like you you don't feel this way because if you're talking about horror in general I don't think you really have a leg to stand on in that argument. Now, if you're talking about the slasher genre, fine, I'll give you that one, maybe. But even then, like, what about Happy Death Day? You know, like that, that was a very modern slasher that like seemed to work very well. Um, I don't know if you have any other examples that you can think of. But like, I could disprove almost everything that this press statement says. Oh, no, I... I'm really, really glad that you brought up the final girl trope on that because that was the one thing that like popped in. That was just the first thing that popped into my head when I read that. Like I have a list of names just off the top of my head alone of, like you said, female actors that have risen to stardom, that have owned the the final girl trope that are shown as complete badasses because of horror movies. And just how horror movies show women that you can, like, stand up and you can kick ass and you can look good doing it and that you don't need all these male characters to do anything for you. So I'm really glad that you said that because that was just the one thing that, like, popped in my head and I was like, oh, boy, Jay Baruchel, what are you talking about? But, yeah, and then it talks about how, like, a vast majority of horror flicks uh fetishizes cruelty if you watch random acts of violence it is like almost straight body horror because the killer does these like weird like sick things to these bodies 
And it's like, how are you not fetishizing cruelty in your own film when you have the serial killer like maiming these people and ripping them apart? Yeah. And your your entire premise is about a horror comic book that depicts these acts, and that's what the serial killer is going off of. Like, I seriously don't think that he like thought about his out like his actual movie when he was talking about this because nothing in this is accurate in any way shape or form and then he said above all a horror film should be scary and it's like where was that in your movie if a horror movie should be scary then why did you release a horror movie that wasn't scary and just like what, what are you doing and then random acts of violence seeks to cure that what did you cure what did, what, did, hey, what, did, what did you care and how many people watch this because i bet you didn't care shit oh my god it's just the irony and his ego like you need to not stick to horror in any way shape or form because you're done you're just done i don't think he will after this because after the reception and everything i i'm guessing he's probably pretty salty about it well okay so random acts of violence but really in the movie it's not random acts of violence and also like what are you then saying with that information are you saying that it still is a random act of violence or are you saying that it is like it's not random because it's very purposeful and that's the point because you know the horror comic led this person to do this like what are you saying it's not really clear what the movie's saying and that's also the issue with it and so these comments just make it even more confusing than looking back at what they tried to do with it but the main point is folks uh nothing worked with the film i don't recommend you watch it um, it's kind of a grueling experience, and the only really scary thing that happened in it was um, the full like because they didn't they didn't cut, so it was the static shot um, on the dashboard where the killer went into these teenagers' cars, well, just this teenager's car, and started stabbing one of the teenagers like repeatedly, and like the the camera isn't moving; it's a static frame. They don't cut away from it. Um, so you just see this character getting brutally stabbed and like, that was probably the most unsettling thing for me. Other than that, like there was nothing really scary about this film. So I don't know what you're talking about, Jay Baruchel, but, um, maybe stick to, uh, co-writing Seth Rogen's movies. (laughs) Yeah. I also read, uh, from an article called bad feeling mag that they, that he like considered it a meta version of Texas Chainsaw updated for no. the social media age, quote unquote. No. And it's like, don't you dare compare this hot piece of garbage to one of the most famous horror films out there. Like it is not a med- like take it from us. It is not a meta version of Texas Chainsaw. It is just a boring little gore fest that has nothing redeemable about it. Mm -hmm. And I just can't believe the audacity of someone who made their first horror movie to even try to compare it to one of the one of the most famous, one of the most impactful horror movies that we have to date. Like, don't don't even start. And let's be clear, too. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um 
is so much more than just a horror film. You look at the meta text and what really is going on, uh, and the implications are far-reaching. I actually wrote about this um, not too long ago, and uh, yeah, in that article that's published on Medium, I talked about how that movie came at the basically at at a pinnacle time in the United States where, if we're talking about capitalism. A lot of the meatpacking plants were closing down in favor of, you know, mass production of meat and mass production of agriculture. And what happened was a lot of, you know, the mom and pop shops closed down and weren't able to sustain their business. So that movie is a direct result of capitalism. Um, obviously, this family like lost everything. And that doesn't excuse them being cannibals and like killing people. But what it does excuse is, um, you know, the arguments about the movie not meaning anything because at the end of the day you can look at that as a meta text for the implications of like capitalism and like what happens when capitalism fails and so this movie that jay baruchel directed and wrote um doesn't do any of that it's not meta um on anything there is no subtext there uh and I think because of that, it's it's really shallow, and his comments and the press blurb that they sent out with the screeners is meaningless at the end of the day. And uh, I I just it's one more thing that makes me dislike the movie even more. And um, I'm I'm not going to watch it again if Jay Baruchel directs another horror film. Nope. I don't know that I'll tune in for it. I may see like exactly what it is, but I'm probably not going to rush out to the theater or even on Shudder, to uh, watch it. So. Me neither. Okay. Um, with all that being said, uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I knew that we were going to spend the most amount of time on that. So, uh, HBO Max is doing something really, really special. If you have HBO Max, that is, because we all know that HBO Max is still absent from Roku and Apple TV, uh, which is a huge mistake. They're losing out on probably millions of subscribers just because of that. They're lucky that I have an Xbox and I can watch my HBO Max subscription on the Xbox because otherwise I'd be pretty pissed. Um, But uh, yeah, the cast of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is going to reunite for a reunion special on HBO Max. Um, everyone's set to come back and reunite for the first time, and it's an unscripted special to celebrate 30 years of the sitcom being uh, first aired. Um, the special, which will be produced by Westbrook Media, will launch on HBO Max around Thanksgiving, and uh, the streamer has exclusive streaming video-on-demand rights to the full series, uh, which spans 148 episodes across six seasons. Um, and it's been airing since May on HBO Max, too. So it kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that they have exclusive streaming rights to The Fresh Prince. I don't know if you're a Fresh Prince fan, but I definitely am. And to have everyone reunite and do an unscripted special, especially around Thanksgiving, um, I think it's just going to be fun. And it's going to be something that, um, you know, is just lighthearted and something that we all need, especially if we're doing it in Thanksgiving right around the time of the election and the holidays and who knows what all that shit's going to bring this year. So um, I, I think it's a really smart move and I think that they'll probably get a pretty good turnout, maybe even a, you know, a few subscribers out of it. I think it's a good idea. I mean, personally, for me, I'm not really like so super excited for this just because i feel a little indifferent about fresh prince it's not a bad tv show it's just 
something that was airing when I was little. And so therefore I was never really one to get into it. And now that I've gotten older, I haven't really bothered. I'm sure if I rewatched it nowadays, I would probably be a fan of it. Um, I do like the show for what it is, especially with Will Smith. I watch clips of it whenever they show up on Facebook, and I know it is a funny show. It's just, you know, hearing that they're having a reunion isn't, like, you know, shining a light in me or anything, which is which is totally fine. I mean, yeah. like, some people watch it, some people won't, which is totally fine. Um, however, I am noticing that that's kind of been a trend that's, like, going on, especially with older TV shows, like mm-hmm. Friends is getting a reunion episode. The Office yeah. and Parks and Recs both had a reunion episode, albeit like over Zoom. So I I think, you know, follow the trend, do it, especially if you're a popular TV show that people grow up watching. I think it is a good idea, especially like you said, especially with how this year has already been. I yeah. think it would just be very fresh. <laughs> 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 um (laughs) i think it would just be a breath of fresh air for for people who are going through a lot this year i think it's something that people will need um and i think it'd be really nice seeing will smith again like doing something funny um i have noticed that a lot of people are already on the fence about this because you know uncle the actor that played uncle phil unfortunately won't be able to do it because of his unfortunate death and also people are still pretty bitter about janet huber the original aunt viv not doing it um due to her being fired after the third season so Mm -hmm. there there are people who just straight up won't watch it because of that uh which is understandable you know when your favorite character isn't going to be there it kind of takes the fun out of it for you uh but i mean watch it if you'd like to (laughs) um but as linda said it might be a you know it might give you a breath of fresh bel air Uh, (laughs) there we go got it nailed it um okay uh moving on yeah watch it if you will i imagine that they are probably going to follow suit and do it over zoom as well which is okay like um especially because it's just been announced i highly doubt that they're actually going to film on set so it will be another Zoom production, I think. But, you know, that's okay. Um, it, I think it like that allows for more of these things to actually happen because it's less of a time commitment and people are able to actually, you know, just, you know, schedule like a day to shoot this thing or a couple of days to shoot this thing rather than being on set for weeks trying to film something. So mm-hmm. I think it's a smart move, actually. But let's talk now about... Um, Robert Eggers' Viking ethic, uh, epic, uh, ethic, what am I talking about? Viking <laughs> epic, The Northmen, who, uh, The Northmen has a stack cast. And, you know, they, especially last year, they were announcing the cast for this film on the heels of um, The Lighthouse when that released theatrically. And uh, they were announcing cast members left and right. And I'm like, holy shit, like everyone's signing up for this movie. Like what is going on? And one of the people that I was really excited about was Bill Skarsgård and what he would do in the Northmen. But unfortunately he has dropped out of the movie due to scheduling conflicts. He said, quote, "Um, it's been a scheduling nightmare during COVID. It is what it is. 
it is what it is. Um, it's a big shame. <laughs> Eggers. <laughs> uh, Eggers <laughs> is one of the greatest filmmakers out there. And working with my brother, I didn't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. It's going to make me burst into tears. So I don't know if that was really emotional. Um, I didn't see the full interview in the context of that quote. <laughs> But if he's like on the verge of tears, then I feel really bad for this guy. <laughs> um, if he's like, uh, my movie, the Norseman. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, um, it's it's already a star-studded cast. So, like, I mean, we're losing one of the cast members, but you have Nicole Kidman, you have Willem Dafoe, you have Anya Taylor Joy, um, you have so many people. Um, you have Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's so like it's so big of a lineup that losing one of them isn't gonna, I don't think, hurt the the anticipation for this movie at all. Um, but I am really excited to see what this movie looks like, just because it sounds interesting. You know, usually with Eggers' film, he's shooting on like one or two locations, and with this one, apparently, he's jumping around like crazy. So they have like very intense shooting schedules. It probably looks very confusing if you're looking at the schedule. And like, um, so I understand why people can't make that. But apparently it's going to be a very different Robert Eggers movie because typically in the past they've been slow moving, slow burning, um, a lot of silence, um, a lot of meditation. And uh, it doesn't sound like The Northman is going to be that. But I'm also really excited about the time period. I, I really like that he does that, that the, the time period pieces. It's really cool. Yeah, I like. I feel bad for Bill Skarsgård too. Uh, it sounded like he was really looking forward to working with Robert Eggers, and considering his past projects with The Lighthouse and The Witch, I don't blame him. I would want to work with him too at this point. And it just yeah. really sucks that COVID got in the way of that. Like that. That's just not not great. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I saw the cast for this and. With or without Bill Skarsgård, I think it would be amazing, especially getting Willem Dafoe back on there. And Anya Taylor-Joy is building quite the filmography for herself. She is really picking them really well, so good for her. <laughs> um, I noticed in the article it did say that he was putting a lot of effort in like picking out locations, things like that. And on that note, I say take as much time as you need. Because I think one of the best things about his films have always just been, like, the visual effects and where they've been shooting. They've always been, like, eerily beautiful, like you're walking through, like, a weird dreamscape. And I love that feeling that I get whenever I watch his films. So I, I really hope that he keeps up with that with this movie because I think it would be so, so pleasing to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm really pumped about it. And uh, yeah, a Viking epic, it sounds fucking cool, especially from him. Uh, I'll take it any day, any mm -hmm. day of the week. Uh, just, you know, give me it. Give me it. I need it. But if you ever, you know, you know, like uh, Rick and Morty, like I need that Szechuan sauce, Morty. Like, I mean, that's basically how I feel about this movie. I, like whenever it comes out, whatever they do with it, like I want it. Like I need it. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk uh, now. We, we, we're kind of done with the news, surprisingly. Not not a heavy news week, but we still managed to talk about a lot, uh, which 
is always fun. <laughs> but I mean, um, we just don't know how to shut up, man. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and it kind of kind of sucks for me too because like with my allergies, you can hear me like drop off talking at some points and then I I bring it back and like I can't breathe sometimes and and then it's it's a whole thing. Suck it but, up, um, Jared. I'm not done talking. You're not done talking? No. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to introduce the next thing that we're talking about, then Linda. <laughs> no, I, I want to hear your poor little allergies make it difficult for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, of course. Um, yeah, <clears throat> it will make it difficult. It has been difficult, but um, we've only got a couple more things to talk about. And really, like, we're, we're just going to talk about a couple of trailers, a couple of cool trailers. So um, first off, are you a James Bond fan? Um, I don't want this to turn into the whole Wonder Woman thing. So, um, what, uh, you know. (laughs) I'm so sorry. They're like the Fast and Furious movies. To me, they feel so, like, repetitive and, like, basic. And I know that they're popular movies, and I know that I'm going to get so much hate on that, but it's just, I I just don't really watch them, because they all seem kind of the same. Okay. So, you're right. You're you're right. Except for the Daniel Craig, like, era has been vastly different from anything in the past, um, because they're all interconnected, and uh, that has hurt his era in a couple of different ways, but also it's given so much like, like power to the storytelling and to uh, elevate it a little bit more than just a basic spy, like action film that, you know, that he's going to save the day, you know, you, you know, every time you go into a James Bond movie, he's going to save the day. He's going to get the girl like, and this series has been very much different. Um, And, you know, one of the ways that it's different, A, uh, the very first Daniel Craig one, he didn't get the girl. Uh, you know, that character died, and then the whole second movie was based out of revenge, and so then it's a revenge tale. Masked is a James Bond movie, and I, like, I just really appreciate what they've done with with his specific era, and I think going forward, you're going to see more and more of these films be connected in different ways. They might go back to just the standalones, but I highly doubt it after after seeing like the critical response to this you know series. And yeah, the No Time to Die trailer it looks cool as fuck. It's uh, directed by Kerry Joy Fukunaga, and he first and foremost is a stunt man. So there are really cool set pieces here. Um, oftentimes in these large like action movies, you can look at specifically like quantum of solace um, and casino Royale, just to, just to name a couple of them within this like era within the Daniel Craig era, James Bond that have these really intense like cuts and like smash cuts and like you're going all over the place and the action seems kind of cluttered at a couple different points. It's still really, it's shot really well, but here you have these like expansive, like long takes and you have these landscapes that seem bigger than James Bond himself. And it's shot to look that way. And so it's not, it's not making, it's not elevating the way James Bond looks necessarily. It's elevating the locale more than usual and it's elevating like the stakes because of that because we're not getting these like tight close-ups of 
James Bond doing these things. It's like you're getting these like extremely like wide shots. You're getting these moments where he seems small in comparison to everything else. And also they are 100% killing Daniel Craig in this movie. His character will not survive. Um, he will not survive this movie. And uh, I, I do 100% believe that there were leaks already about kind of what's going on within the film, like within the film's plot. Uh, and I don't want to spoil that for you because I was spoiled on it and I was kind of upset. Um, but one of the things that wasn't spoiled was his death. Um, I just want to be clear about that. I'm just predicting it uh, because it seems like they're setting up uh, Lashana Lynch to play the part of 007 under a different name, obviously. But that seems to be the direction they're going in. And uh, yeah, no. So the trailer felt like very weighty in that sense then because it is his final movie and it's his last outing. Um, And it gave us all the goodness that you expect from a James Bond trailer too. So I really liked it. I am so sorry that you didn't like it, Linda, and I made you watch that. (laughs) It's okay. It's not that I didn't like the trailer per se. I just... You know, all the 007 movies are just kind of a huge been there, done that type thing. That's that's as far as I'm going to go with that one. However, when I watched the trailer, I did like seeing Rami Malek in it. And I did like seeing Lashana Lynch. And I did like the implication that she was going to be the next 007. However, if you're going to have a black female be the new 007 character, I do not want to see her in any way shape or form try to like lean on the shoulders of daniel craig and i want her to be held up as the same standard as any other 007 character like i don't need anyone saving me i'm here to save everyone else because i swear they have her try to be a damsel in distress even once i'm gonna be completely out of it yeah, I don't think they will. A, they got Phoebe Waller-Bridge to come in and co-write the script. Um, so for those Good. of you who watch Fleabag, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the main character and also the main like writer of that show. <clears throat> um, they got her to come in and like touch up the script a little bit. And Daniel Craig actually is the one that brought her on because he was very adamant about um, not wanting to do the typical James Bond thing. And from the trailer, Lashana Lynch's character seems like she is not going to be like propped up by James Bond. It seems like she's going to be able to stand her own um, just based on the footage that we've seen from the trailer. So I am really excited about that. It looks like obviously the damsel in distress damsel in distress here is madeline swan who is um you probably don't know this if you haven't watched all of them linda but she is the blonde one played the played by uh, leia sudu uh and she was in the last the last movie Mm -hmm. um and it looks like they're setting her up to be that um and like that it makes sense but i don't think that this movie is gonna necessarily have an have a happy ending <clears throat> and for that like i'm just excited for it and we're also still getting it this year they're still sticking with that release date so um i won't have to wait too long to see how this like series ends this era of the series anyway and uh it's really exciting because then we can kind of talk about you know who the next james bond is and the more and more <clears throat> the more and more i see from a bunch of different actors that i get i just get excited i love that conversation about who's playing the next james bond and as badly as i want it to be idris elba it won't be so i've already given up hope on that hey hey jared do you think daniel craig will have any time to die 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so I'm just gonna title this episode, um, you know, something to do with puns. Like Linda makes stupid puns the whole time. <laughs> yeah, spooky Linda makes stupid puns. I think that's the episode title of this podcast. Whatever, I'm funny. You are funny. Thank um. Okay, Linda. Well, uh, if you didn't like that trailer, we have another trailer that that we can discuss, and that is the trailer for uh, Welcome to the Blumhouse, which is that like eight part series that we told you about a little while ago, that is being produced by Blumhouse for Amazon Prime, and uh, we got the first four trailers. Well, it's one trailer, but it's four different projects on it. Um, you have the lie on this project. Uh, you have Black Box, you have Evil Eye, and then you have Nocturne. Um, and I was just curious, like, out of those four movies, uh, like, which one stood out to you in the trailer? The two that stood out the most to me were The Lie and Evil Eye. Uh, because in The Lie, uh, that's going to have Peter Sarsgaard. And I really, really like him. I loved him in The Orphan. And and that he played like the super protective dad, so it'll be nice seeing him in that kind of role again, and also in a horror movie. And Evil Eye, what caught my attention with that one was the casting, also mostly because I, you don't see a lot of Indian representation in horror mm-hmm. movies, so that's going to be very very fresh, and that like really set my sights on evil eye more than anything and that alone is what's going to make me really interested in watching it because i'll I'll give horror movies that they don't really have good representation of indian characters like at all uh they do have great diversity like with like you know korean japanese horror uh things like that but not Indian, so that is definitely going to be new, and that alone, I think, will really make Evil Eye a good movie. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I, I'm really glad that they took that initiative. You know, we talked about it a little while ago, but their initiative to kind of amplify other voices, and like it's really refreshing to see like different stories being told in in genres. You know, it, it's not just horror, right? It's not just exclusive to horror, but. The, the fact that we're seeing so much representation across all different types of films, specifically films with smaller budgets, um, not necessarily the big tentpole studio films, uh, but there are more smaller indie films than there are big studio tentpoles. So we have to mm-hmm. keep that in mind, too. So while it might not look like the sea is necessarily changing quite yet um, in a dramatic way, I do think that we're getting to the point of more representation and, you know, different looking genre films. And that makes me really excited. So I'm kind of on board with you. Um, anything with Peter Skarsgård, like I'm, I'm there for. He's good. <clears throat> and the lie seems really interesting. I also was really kind of excited to see Black Box 2 just because like I really like that it seems like a different type of genre film right um right. so it centers around a father who uh after losing his wife and his memory in a car accident undergoes an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question who he really is so it kind of reminds me of Get Out in the sense of the the like visual landscape kind of like all of the neat like tricks and visual effects that are occurring within Black Box right um I, yeah, I, I'm really excited for the... They don't look revolutionary by any means. Uh, I wasn't necessarily wowed by the trailer, 
But at the same time, it did make me really excited that we were getting eight of these films and that they're all going to be completely different. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, like, uh, Evil Eye and The Lie both caught my attention purely because of, like, the unique casting choice. Mm. However, story-wise, I was actually pretty much drawn to all four of them. Like, I really want to watch all of them. And like you said, they don't seem like they're going to be, like, groundbreaking horror movies. They're not going to be, like, the scariest thing I've ever seen. But they just seem like really good stories that you just want to watch. Yeah, um, and that's really all you need to make a movie, right? Is you need a good cast, good interesting story. premise, <laughs> and um, some money. Uh, and once you have those, like you're good to go, and you can make you know the world is yours. Um, it might not be, you know, expensive looking or anything, but like the fact is, is you made something still, and that's always something to be proud of. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's interesting enough to keep me sitting there and actually watching it without debating on whether or not I should turn it off, that's mm-hmm. all that's all I could really ask for these days. Yeah, because um, there are really disappointing violence, things. already ahead of there. Yeah, yeah, random. Yeah, whatever. I don't even want to keep going back <laughs> to that. Um, I don't think it deserves that much attention, <laughs> even oh. though we give it that much attention. Oops. Okay, well, so uh, those are the trailers that released that caught our attention. So let us know what you thought of the the trailer in the comments below, wherever you're listening to this from, um, or send us a message, a tweet, whatever it may be. And um, I want to kind of dip into what's streaming this weekend next so we can talk about that and more. Now, don't think I would let you off that easy without at least one more ad read. The good news, though, I'm simply trying to tell you about our website, theburrowreviews.com. We have plenty of articles and reviews for you to read as you ponder your existence during these trying times. Like indie movies? How about blockbusters? The good news is we cover all types of film, but we especially love a good horror movie. So, if you're a Nebraska local looking for a review of your latest project, we got you. Simply search theburrowreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. If you have a short or feature film you'd like for us to review, and you aren't a Nebraska filmmaker, we'll still cover your film at no charge. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. Now, not every submission will be accepted, but it is always worth a shot. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, guys, now we're going to talk about what we're <laughs> Oh, I, I make one little joke about your pure, like, about your poor little nose, and you had a... Whatever. Yeah, no, Linda was uh, straight roasting me. <laughs> we were moving on to this next segment, uh, what's streaming this weekend, this past weekend that you can watch during your week. And uh, she was roasting me about the fact that I never sound good talking. So oh, not never, just when your little allergies are acting up. Yeah, but she she basically told me, guys, that I shouldn't be podcasting and it's not <laughs> me because of my allergies. And <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, that's what she said. Yes, that sounds like something spooky Linda would say. Jared sucks, get off the podcast. You know you're never going to be able to escape the spooky Linda shit now. Like, <laughs> every time is going to be, uh, you know. No, welcome I'm going to gonna own it. 
Yeah, it's going to be welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me, as always, is the greatest, most legendary spooky Linda. And that's what I'm going to say every time. And you know what? It'll be accurate, because I am legendary. I am the legendary spooky Linda. <laughs> I think I think we I think we created something here. We created a monster. Excuse me? You just called me a monster? Try to say that without sounding like you're clogged up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough fair enough um okay well uh beyond banter we should probably talk about what's streaming um on all of your favorite platforms right now so we had mulan uh real quick but uh, yes or no did you watch of course not okay i did not either um hence why we're not reviewing it <laughs> i'm not paying that much money for that movie and i didn't hear too great of things about it even though it has a fairly decent critical reception but critics that i trust didn't necessarily find it um very pleasing especially considering that you're trying to live up to the animated film so um i didn't watch it she didn't watch it yeah not only was the money a huge factor like i'm not paying that much money to to watch it I I was thinking about it for a while after that first podcast we made talking about it. I it was kind of a more personal decision on my end not to watch it just because I don't want to support the actress playing Mulan because after I mentioned those comments that I saw about her living in the US while also supporting police brutality in China, it was just kind of a more personal decision on my end not to support that actress and and her work, so that also ultimately drove me away from giving in and watching this movie that was just mm-hmm. you know a personal choice on my end good or bad i don't want to watch it because i don't want to support an actress whose views are that way because i just i don't like it mm, fair enough uh we respect opinions here so um we also have i'm thinking of ending things on netflix uh which is a i guess psychological horror film from charlie kaufman um, he writes, directs, and produces this adaptation of the best-selling book about a woman who goes with her boyfriend to visit his parents. Um, and apparently it leads to an ending that you won't see coming. So that seems kind of vaguely interesting. Uh, I might check that out just because psychological horror, count me in. Yeah, I mean, uh, it sounded like uh, Get Out. Yeah, it does kind of vaguely sound like uh, Get Out. But I'm thinking that... It might go down a completely different path, obviously, because they I, yeah they like to emphasize the fact that you won't see the ending coming. So um, it might be completely different. And uh, what that indicates to me is that I would either probably love or hate that ending. So um, HBO Max has a couple of different things, too, um, that are from pretty that what a one got high praise for season one. The other one is directed by Ridley Scott, um, which is really weird. It's an HBO max series called raised by wolves. When earth is destroyed in a great war, two androids. Oh, fucking course. Of course there's androids. Anyway, uh, two androids are tasked with raising human children on another planet. Um, As the colony begins to divide, the android overseeing this new society will attempt to control humanity. Ah, yes, the androids taking over the world, the classic Ridley Scott trope. Are you not a fan? (laughs) No, I I am. But like, the guy's a one trick pony, dude. When it comes to like sci fi, like, he can only do androids. What What else has he got? 
Maybe that's the future that Ridley Scott wants for us, is just androids killing us all. I bet that guy watches android porn. Oh my god! No, I guarantee you he does. <laughs> you think he's, uh, what are they called, like, robophiles? Robophiles? I didn't know that that was a word, but I'm i I think it surprised. is, or maybe I'm just making stuff up. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call them robophiles. Uh... Yeah, what a what a weird concept. I don't know. Um, it looks decent, but like I don't know that I'll check it out just because I'm watching so many other things. But you also have the boys on uh, on Prime, um, which it's the second season, I believe. Yep, it's the second season, and the first three episodes will be available to stream immediately, with subsequent episodes released on a weekly basis. So that's kind of cool. You can binge a little bit, and then you can follow weekly. Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds because personally I like to watch a show weekly um, but I also like to binge sometimes so I didn't see the boys season one but I heard really good things um, did you watch it at all or did Lane uh, Lane did he oh he and my dad love the boys so they're they're looking forward to that yeah I figured it would be kind of up Lane's alley there um, so he probably oh, yeah watched it the second season the trailer looked pretty good so i you know it has me intrigued anyway um to at least check out the first season see if i like it and uh then you know hopefully like i do because i i don't like when i watch something and i don't like it you know that feeling that you're yeah. wasting your time on something it, it isn't a good feeling and so that's why i try and only watch things and this is probably bad for me too but i try and only watch tv shows um that i think i'm going to like or that i know i'm going to like because i just don't want to invest so much time into something that i don't like um and with my time being you know spread thin as it is i don't want to waste any time yeah and no i i totally understand that like it's really hard for me to pick out tv shows lately that i would actually be interested in which is why i've spent months now just re-watching stuff that I that I already like because I feel like I've been disappointed so much lately like I've started so many tv shows that I don't want to finish because they're just boring or they just don't yeah. grab my attention that well but I mean I'm glad that Lane caught interest in the boys because I've tried watching an episode just out of sheer you know curiosity but mm -hmm. it just wasn't for me but at the same time I understood why it was perfect for lane because you know it has muscly men with superpowers raising hell and that's really all he can ask for on a good tv show yeah um yeah and if it's entertaining like uh so be it like watch it uh we also have ap bio which was apparently picked up and then renewed by peacock because it was a previously canceled tv series the show centers around a disgraced Harvard philosophy teacher who ends up teaching high school biology, but instead of teaching them them uh, instead of teaching them the curriculum, he uses them for his own benefit. Uh, sounds kind of lame. Probably won't check it out. But if that sounds your like your thing, like go right ahead. Um, um, I don't even have Peacock. Like, do you? Like, no, I don't know anyone that's downloaded Peacock. That's probably why they canceled it. <laughs> 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 oh my god uh i'm not sure where it was it was an nbc show that was canceled and then peacock picked that show up so they picked it up um from a different like company but yeah i don't know if 
very many people are even on Peacock's streaming service? I would assume not. Like, no. Um, here, let me let me just do a quick search. Peacock, P. <laughs> Peacock's streaming numbers. Let's see. Let's see if they give me any uh, solid information on Peacock's streaming numbers. Um, it launched in April uh, with about 10 million signups to date. Uh, while that company, while the company Comcast did not expand on the number um, or offer additional statistics, it, it said view time and engagement levels are ahead of internal projections. But who knows if their internal projections were even good or not. Um, they might have been expecting a bad turnout. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, it has, uh, in July, it apparently hit 1.5 app downloads. So I guess people are tuning in for Peacock. But I'm kind of surprised about that because all of my film friends and stuff like aren't downloading it or watching anything at all. So... Like, I'm not one to call, like, bullshit on anything, but I feel like 10 million is a little high of a number for a streaming service that no one really cares about. I have the same inclination, actually. (laughs) (laughs) um, Like, there's something not right about that number. Yeah, and of course, like, they're internal reporting, so they're not actually, like, releasing, like, just raw statistics there, I don't think. Um, it's all of what the company says and Netflix does the same shit. It pisses me off. They don't have like a third party person, you know, a third party company releasing that data. They release it themselves. And, uh, I don't necessarily care for that because I can't really determine if that's true or not. So yeah, take that for what you will. If any of those sound like they're interesting to you, uh, don't watch Milan. Uh, (laughs) And that's um that's the thesis for this whole episode was don't watch random acts of violence and don't watch Milan. And apparently if you're Linda, don't watch No Time to Die. I I mean yeah, I'm probably not gonna even even to kiss your ass. <sighs> I mean, if we're being completely honest, I'm probably we're gonna review not it. gonna watch We're gonna review it on the podcast. Yeah. No. <laughs> Come on. No. <laughs> I didn't want that. I don't really want to do that. Fine, I won't make you I won't make you watch it. I don't make you watch anything, really. Like I, I like I usually ask you if you want to watch it or if it sounds interesting to you or not, because I would hate to like make you do something that like you had no interest in doing, like watching random acts of violence. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh yeah, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. What's wrong with me? As, as a wise man once said. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, hmm. That's a that's the show today. Uh, <laughs> a lot of fuckery. I th- I feel like in the show. But We're professional. We promise. We are pretty professional. I send Linda show notes. I you know, do my best to make sure that things are edited out of podcasts. Um, and really, that release. There's an Easter egg in last week's episode (laughs) that seems a little odd, but also sounds kind of normal in the context of what we're talking about. And, uh, (laughs) and it's less than a minute. It's less than a minute, but if you can spot it, let us know. 
Um, so kind of go on this little Easter egg hunt. Um, fun fact. So we use Zencaster and things sometimes get fucked up severely when <laughs> we're recording. And I'm talking like Linda just drops out. Uh, Linda loses me. I can't hear her. She can't hear me. Uh, who knows what happens with that audio it gets corrupted. And then we have to record whole segments. And, uh, Usually I don't like tout that that happens because, you know, there's no point on touting why and how that happens. But this one time it was kind of funny because we had a lot of problems last week recording and, and it was one of my fastest editing times too. But the thing is, is I listen to those podcasts as I'm editing them. I don't usually skip ahead or forward or anything just, you know, for quality check and I missed it. So I don't know how I missed that, and it's not even that big of a mess up, but you can definitely, (laughs) if you are under the impression that we have problems recording, and you are now because I just told you, you might be able to spot it a little bit easier. Yeah, you know, sometimes you feel, you know, safe in your own home after getting cut out of connection, and sometimes you find out that what you think you're saying behind closed doors is being broadcasted (laughs) to the world, so that... You know, some you know, the different experience to say the least. Well, you know, Linda, we do have bloopers of you uh, on our Patreon. <laughs> a lot of different shit. So uh, don't act like it's just a podcast. Sometimes they just say things, and Jared's like, "Oop, I recorded that. Let's post it." <laughs> okay, because it's funny. And that, like, <laughs> I had Lorencia like recheck it to make sure that it sounded okay. Because I was like, I think it's okay. Um, but like, I can definitely download the like audio and then cut it out and then re-upload the audio if I absolutely need to. Um, and she was like, and she started laughing with it and she was like, no, I think that like, I think that sounds like funny. It sounds like good. Like, and I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm in that camp too. So I will leave it. But, uh, I, I will make sure that this that this video this uh no well, we're not doing video. I keep saying video because I'm doing more videos now. Um but uh no, I will make sure that this week's podcast is edited prim and proper for you, Linda. Thank thank you. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was funny what happened last week. It was more or less the fact that like once Lane and I heard it, I was like, I bet money that Jared doesn't know that that's on there. He's like, you should probably text him. <laughs> yeah, she, she sends me this text message. It's Jared in all caps. <laughs> and and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, okay, what happened? Uh, d- what what did Jay Baruchel say? Like, what something wrong? Like, what did I do? Like, Is there uh, something wrong with Patrick Wilson? What's going on? Yeah, did, did, did Patrick Wilson die? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, any, maybe all? all of the above like did all of those things happen at once um and then she was like hey this part of the podcast is uh broken and i was like eh. <laughs> terribly broken it's just uh not prim and proper but that's okay and it makes sense for the context of which i was which the the discussion that we were having it actually makes it funnier but <laughs> i'm glad i'm here to make things funnier yeah. Um, okay, well, I think that is the show. Um, I think we've done everything that we needed to do, talked about everything that we needed to talk about. So that's all the time we've got for all of you today. But make sure 
to subscribe to the Into the Bro podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers, whether that be Apple, whether that be Spotify or Google Play. Um, I know that uh, Amazon, Amazon is releasing their own podcasting service. I'm not supposed Ooh. to say that, but I did. Oops. Uh, and um, pretty soon you'll be able to uh, to uh, listen to your podcast basically anywhere you want. Uh, still not on Pandora uh, because Pandora hates us. But again, fuck them. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to get any sponsorships from Pandora moving forward yeah. after today. But that's okay. Uh, every podcaster's dream is to get is to get money from Pandora. Yes, you've got to get listed on Pandora. You've got to take their money. <laughs> um, you've got to do all of those things. So, um, yeah, no. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if this new time works better for you, or if you like the old time better, I would love to hear it. It won't change my opinion, and it won't change the time that I release the shows, but I want to hear you complain a little bit. So if you have complaints, send them our way. Um, But otherwise, I hope you enjoy this new time slot, and I hope that it is able to work with your schedules a little bit better. You could take Sunday off. You don't have to like listen to a podcast anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You can listen to it on Monday when it releases at 11 a.m. Central Time. And again, that is 12 p.m. Eastern and 9 a.m. West Coast. Um, So you can do that. You can subscribe. You can also share the podcast and let everyone know that you're listening to us. If they are interested in the field of entertainment, if they are interested in the industry and Hollywood and films and television, and they want to get all the latest scoops from the industry, have them follow this podcast because chances are any groundbreaking news stories we're probably going to talk about. And it's always fun to talk about them too. You know, we have a great show, we have great hosts, and um, going forward, we are going to, you know, forge new paths and do new things and try out new things. Uh, we already shifted to doing like movie reviews and stuff on these things. So you'll get the occasional review, especially if it pertains to like a genre film, for instance. And uh, yeah, so do all those things, share, subscribe, like whatever you can to possibly help the show. And then also support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com slash reviews. We do not make any money doing this. In fact, I lose money doing this uh, for as long as I've been doing it. And uh, I'm totally okay with that as long as you're happy with the content that we're putting out. So thank you so much for watching. And we will um, definitely, you'll hear from us in the next podcast episode. So... Take care, have a good week, and we will see you on Monday. Bye. Bye, guys.